You are listening to a special edition of the Hope of Israel Baptist Broadcast. Our radio host, Dr. K. Daniel Freed, is preaching a series of messages entitled Feast Days of the Nation of Israel. It is our prayer that these live recordings will be a blessing and an encouragement to you, our radio listeners. Amen. All right, we'll begin reading there, Leviticus chapter 23. And the Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. And holy convocation, ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And now we have the first official feast mentioned here in verse 5. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's. Pass over. Amen for that. Heavenly Father, now we thank you for the good word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it has the power to be uh, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our very hearts. And I pray now, dear God, that you'll do the work that only you can do. Father, even in the midst of us here tonight, there could be a lost sinner here. And I pray that you'll show that person or persons that there is forgiveness with the Lord, and they can know the blessing of eternal life and forgiveness, and know the blessing of having their names written in the Lamb's book of life forever. And Father, I pray that you'll save them, and that they'll be able to walk away tonight knowing for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're marvelously born again, and they're sealed by the Holy Ghost, and we'll praise you for that. And uh, dear God, we also pray for those of us that are saved and know it, that you help us grow more in love with our Savior than we did the day before, and help us, Lord, to be on fire for you in the last days in which we live. And there's no turning back now, dear God. We must go forward, and we must expect great and mighty things of with what you're going to do with us. And this wonderful church will thank you now for Jesus' sake. Amen. All right, please be seated. So, ladies and gentlemen, we see in this particular chapter, we have all the seven major festivals or feast days, uh, holy convocations, as the Bible says. But the Sabbath is really part of the Ten Commandments, and therefore the Sabbath is, you might say, a weekly uh, established holy day, and it was always to be uh, practiced no matter what. Uh, There was to be no servile work. That means you couldn't work for a living. Of course, if your ox got stuck in the ditch, you was allowed to get your ox out of the ditch. Give me an amen, and sometimes we got to get our ox out of the ditch. Uh, for example, I don't like going out eating in a restaurant on the Lord's Day. Uh, I really prefer not to do it, but sometimes the preachers will ask to take me, and so uh, out of being polite and courteous, which we're supposed to be as Christians, right, uh, I go and I don't make a big deal about it. It, it was a day. I, I, I don't really know where in America places are closed on the Lord's Day. Now, I know some restaurants are, and some fast foods like. Uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, they're, they're closed on the Lord's Day, and I appreciate that about them, and I think God's blessed them for it, absolutely. And they've taken some good stands over the years. 
At any rate, we, we have these seven feast days. And I, I'll go over them really uh, quickly just to kind of re- uh, show you what's about to happen. The first one is the Lord's Passover. The Lord's Passover. We're going we're gonna to preach about that here tonight with the Lord's help. And uh, then we're going to get into unleavened bread tonight too because those two kind of go together. Uh, in the New Testament era, the Lord's Passover and unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, were uh, combined. And um, uh, the reason it was combined is just that over the years, uh, Passover got modified in how they did things. Uh, you see this table right here. Uh, all these things were not on a Passover table back in these days. Uh, in these days of Passover, things were very simplistic. But over time, things got more complicated, and uh, they started adding things to it. And really, everything here is really good for preaching because everything here points to the Savior. <laughs> so I'm not going to be critical of that. But I will tell you that 17 years of my unconverted life, I didn't know anything what this meant spiritually. I didn't know it was pointing to Christ. All I knew is that this represented the physical deliverance of my people from Egypt, and that's all I really knew about it. And not only that, as I'll get into later on, what I really liked more than anything about the Passover was that you had to drink four cups of wine, and that's alcoholic kind of wine. And by the time I got done at the end of four hours of this Passover celebration, I was really, you know, topsy-toesy or topsy-toesy or whatever you want to call it. I mean, and, and of course, you know, that's that whole thing about drinking wine, alcoholic wine, is such a contradiction to what the Passover really means. You are listening to a series of messages preached by Dr. Freed entitled Feast Days of Israel. If you would like to have a copy of this series in its entirety, you may call us at 844-644-4426. And now, here is the remainder of today's broadcast. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've, I did the Passover here four or five years ago. Have you had me that long? Wow, you really do love me, don't you, brother? <laughs> Woo, glory! All right. So, uh, and so I don't even know if you remember what I preached on the Passover. I don't always preach the same thing about the Passover, but I'll just simply tell you what these things mean right off the bat, all right? Uh, the Lord's Passover obviously points to Calvary. That's pretty easy. He was our Passover lamb. He was our sacrificial lamb. He died in our place. He paid the penalty for your sins, and thank God for that, because if he didn't, if we was to die right today, we'd all spend eternity ultimately in the lake of fire. And so he is uh, our sacrificial lamb. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, speaks really of his resurrection. Uh, because even though his body was broken, not one bone was broken, but his body was broken. I'll be preaching on that a little bit. Uh, the fact is that he rose from the dead with a glorified body. Isn't that a blessing? And uh, praise God for that. So there's a lot there. Then we have uh, the Feast of, of First Fruits. Uh, which really kind of dovetails into Pentecost. There is the wave offering. I will show you from the Bible uh, the beginning of the born-again church. <laughs> There's a lot of controversy out there is when the church got started, and I don't know why it's so complicated, but some want to make it complicated. And I understand uh, where they're coming from, and I'm not going to be critical of their motivation, but I think that when you look at the Bible from a dispensational point of view, it's very easy to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So I am going to show you when the church, as we know it today, was born again. I'm just going to tell you, the church, there's always been a church, 
but there's only been a born-again church, and that started at Pentecost, and I will prove that to you with the feast there of first fruits uh, leading into Pentecost. Now, we know that the first fruits, Christ is the first fruits. Amen, right? He is the only one so far, so far, the only one that has resurrected from the dead with a glorified body. And there have been those who've been resurrected, but they were not resurrected with a glorified body. He is the only one. And therefore, he alone uh, holds the title of first fruits. Then Pentecost, as I mentioned, uh, is uh, the beginning of the born again church. And then from there, uh, we have the Feast of Trumpets. And there's a, there's a lot there, but between Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets, uh, there are essentially five months that separate the two. And we look at that as the age of grace. Give me an amen on that. And then the Feast of Trumpets is when uh, the trumps are blown. There's actually four trumps of God. And one of the trumps is to call to assembly, to bring uh, Israel back and to assemble them. And then I will show you uh, some of the other things that the Feast of Trumpets represent. And then, of course, that kind of slides in to the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is Yom Kippur. And that's when uh, the Jews believed the atonement was for the errors of the people, which the Bible talks about. And though they sinned throughout the year, that was the most important festival of all for them because of the fact that all their sins would be forgiven. How about that? All their sins would be forgiven. And that if they did not participate in the Day of Atonement, uh, the Bible was teaching that they would be taken out of the book of life. And that's caused a lot of, uh, uh, well, controversy. <laughs> but I'm going to show you that even the Jews believe there's three books, at least three books, some believe there's four books. And during the, this time in the Day of Atonement, uh, these books are open before the eyes of God. That's amazing, isn't it? And I will show you from the Bible, we know there's at least three books that you and I better be thinking about. All right, and then we have... Of the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Tabernacles is a picture of the Millennial Kingdom. And so uh, the Millennial Kingdom will come, and there'll be peace like a river glorious, and there'll be peace, true peace on earth, and the Arabs and the Jews will get along. Give me an amen. Those are seven feasts, but there is a mystery feast that I will not tell you about that is not recorded in this chapter, a mystery feast. There are mysteries in the Bible, right? And the mystery of the church, mystery of iniquity, and so on and so forth. But there is a mystery feast that we will end with, the good Lord willing. And I won't even tell you about what that is. All right. Did we pray? Well, we need to pray again. How many believe we need to pray again? All right. It doesn't hurt to pray again. All right, Heavenly Father. Now, dear God, as we've already uh, pointed out the seven feasts, the major feasts in the book of Leviticus, Thank you, Lord, for what these represent, not only what they represented to the Israelites, but what they represent to us who are members of the body of Christ. And now I pray now you bless this special time in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's a lot of information I already gave out to you, beloved. All right, so now I'd like you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. In the one hand, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, just listen. Exodus chapter 12, and then I'd like you to turn to Exodus chapter 6. 
Well, first of all, we're going to read in Exodus chapter 12. So going a little bit ahead, because the Passover really begins there in 6, as far as some of the information that's given. But in Exodus chapter 12, we have the details of the Passover. I begin reading there in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this all starts with you and I. Uh, Israel was found in Egypt. You know, Egypt is uh, a type of the world. It's a type of helplessness, hopelessness, and a type of worldliness. And each one of us, no matter where we've come from, we can all trace our beginnings in this place called Egypt. We all had a place called Egypt in our lives. Some were more depraved than others. But the bottom line, at the end of the day, we're all wicked sinners and we all deserve the penalty of our sins, right? There's not a better sinner than another sinner, right? Some sinners got more engrossed into sin and I believe they regret it and I believe they have more scars than others. But nevertheless, you have to see yourself as a sinner before a holy God. You have been listening to the Hope of Israel Baptist broadcast with Dr. K. Daniel Freed. And we pray that today's program has been an encouragement to you. If it has, please contact us and let us know you're listening. If you are of Jewish descent and would like to know more about the new covenant prophesied in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, or maybe you're curious as to why true Bible-believing Christians have always supported Israel, please contact us. As a token of our love and appreciation, we would like to give you a beautifully bound Hebrew-English New Covenant referred to as the New Testament. This Prophecy Edition Bible will be a great addition to your library and it will help you understand why those who believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus Christ, have always loved, supported, and prayed for Israel. Now if you're writing to let us know you're listening or if you're requesting one of these beautiful Hebrew-English New Covenants, you may do so by going to our website, www.hopeofisrael.net. That's hopeofisrael.net. You can also write to us at P.O. Box 1700, Powder Springs, Georgia. 30127. Once again, that's P.O. Box 1700, Powder Springs, Georgia, 30127. 